Merry Christmas, Anya. Merry Christmas, Mark. Welcome to the A to Z of happiness with Anya Pierce and me, Mark Stedman. Join us as we unpack the science of happiness one letter at a time. This week, it's R for relationships. I didn't have much else. It's just the fact that uh, by the time this episode goes out, it is Christmas. Uh, and so what better time than to discuss relationships, I guess? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it connects to the a couple of episodes that we've done already, really. You know, the one on L for love and also, you know, B for belonging. You know, because relationships are the, the fabric of life. These are the, the threads that connect us. And, you know, when I've been talking to people who are unfamiliar with positive psychology, which I've done my master's in, I often turn to... You're right. Yeah, I know. I did. I did. Well, look, look, it took me four years of, of bitching and moaning and going, should studying a happiness make me so freaking unhappy? But it got, I got mm, there in the yeah. end. But you did get to get those sweet four letters after your name. I did. I did. It shows that I am... <laughs> I wouldn't say a trained professional, but uh, <laughs> enough of you these parts. You play one on TV. I do indeed. Well, that's what counts. But yeah, kind of like this whole thing of, you know, the positive psychology, Christopher Peterson described it as saying, I, know, I can sum up the, f- the whole field in just three words, other people matter. And I always think of, you know, Brene Brown's book, The Gift of Imperfection, where she talks about, you know, how we are biologically cognitively, physically, and spiritually wired to love, to be loved, and to belong. When those needs are not met, we do not function as we were meant to. We break, we fall apart, we numb, we ache, we hurt others, we get sick. And, you know, relationships, positive relationships, are part of like numerous happiness models yeah, but I guess the, the easiest one for all of us to get our heads around is the PERMA model by Martin Seligman, you know, so positive emotions, engagement, relationships, positive relationships, meaning and accomplishment. And while obviously, you know, you can make an anagram with those letters to say various things, to me, there's something significant about having that R in the middle. You know, it's mm-hmm. probably probably just by chance, but having that as like the core pillar of happiness. Because if you think about almost the opposite of having good relationships, loneliness, you know, that 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 feeling of, you know, not having enough companionship in our lives. You know, there's a having a mismatch between the kind of relationships we long for and the kind that we're experiencing you know, that kind of brings into sharp relief why relationships are so important to all of us. There's like a ridiculous amount of research that shows how, you know, loneliness and social isolation have real penalties in our lives. You know, they can, you know, harm communities, be damaging, it's been damaging to our mental and physical health, you know, increasing the the chance of early death by 26%. You know, it's this idea of people who are lonely younger and have lower quality of living before that point. You know, if you think about how challenging it can be, you know, to be on your own, 
to go through struggles. You know, I, I went through a few things this, you know, in, in the last 12 months that were really heartbreaking at times for me and really pushed me to my limits. And if it hadn't have been for the relationships that I could I could fall back on, the relationships that I could fall into and be caught, be held, you know, I, I you know, yeah, I probably would still be here, but at a much lesser, lesser self, you know, it really brings home, you know, how powerfully affected we are by the people who we have in our lives and how strong those bonds are and how well we feel we can be vulnerable, we can reach out and we can then catch others. And, you know, in just a few, you know, just a few Weeks ago, before this was recorded, you know, the World Health Organization actually declared loneliness as a global public health concern, you know, launching an international commission on loneliness. And so this is why, you know, I want to talk about relationships in, in relationship to happiness mm. is because we are wired for this. It is something that our biology requires you know loneliness is like a it's like hunger or thirst it's a it's a signal just a signal from the body that we need something and there is more and more research suggesting that it is harder and harder for us to cultivate gosh well what i like about this podcast is it's never just here's a list of things and here are some definitions <laughs> but we try and take a practical approach here and uh try and have you know, some things to, if not uh, directly do, then at least think about. So um, in, in that vein, you have, as usual, three prompts for us. I do, I do. And if any of this uh, tickles your fancy, do go to the show notes of this because they are chock full of links and additional resources because, uh, you know, one of the things which you know, personally important to me about this particular topic is the fact that I do experience a lot of social isolation myself. And I do experience a lot of loneliness myself. And there is tremendous amount of shame, I feel, in in our society about expressing to someone that I'm lonely, that we are lonely. And so... Yes, because it, it can feel like a reflection on you, I guess. Yeah. And that loneliness is something because i you know maybe that's the 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 old monkey brain mm. that equates banishment with death you know and yeah. if we are lonely it's because we've been we've been banished which means we've done something wrong mm. um when often that's just it is just circumstance it is it is and, you know and there are particular times and transitions in our lives when you know that will happen you know Coming ill, you know, moving to a new place and having a new job, you know, relationship changes, you know, there are these little moments and it can be challenging to move out of those, out of those transitional periods and actually find community, find others with whom you can share your full self, you know, which takes me to the first prompt about, you know, what is your relationship to relationships, mm -hmm. you know, because I think there is an assumption that everyone everyone wants a relationship or to be in relationship with others. But of course, you know, what was it in Nick Hornby's whatever Nick Hornby's films? 
books says, you know, no, this guy is told, you know, no man is an island. And he replies, yes, I am. I'm freaking Ibiza, you know, <laughs> <laughs> about a boy. That was the one. Ah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So having, you know, an awareness of the kind of relationships that we want and our relationship to relationships generally is really useful when thinking about this subject, you know, and you know, the classic thing is just to think about, you know, attachment styles. Mm -hmm. I've mentioned them so many times during this podcast, you know, so I won't go into them too deeply, but, you know, there are lots of different online resources out there. Um, there's one in the show notes, which has got, I think it's the attachment project, which has got tests and information and worksheets. And it's like, fill your boots. It's like, mm. it's ridiculous. You know, but it is based on the work from John Bowlby from the 1950s and suggests that you know, the way that we relate to our caregivers in childhood can set a tone, shall we say. Let's, let's not say it's set in stone, but sets a tone for how we expect to experience others. You know, and having these expectations and these, these needs set up and so, you know, we can, one of the dangers of looking into any of these things and typing ourselves is, think, is going, oh my goodness, either, you know, oh, this, this is a box to keep me mm. in or, mm -hmm. oh, I don't fit in it quite. And that, so do I really belong here? You mm -hmm. know, these are styles. These are very general things. And we, there's a great attachment quiz i forget which one it is now it actually has you in a in a graph so you can it measures how much of each one of these you have and i love kind of like stan tatkin uh, author of wired for dating and wired for love you know he says he's mostly secure but there are times when if he's feeling low energy under resourced you know he will become more more anxiously attached She's one of the stars, which I'll talk about in a second. And so, you know, we can evolve our style. I think this is the thing, you know, good circumstances, bad circumstances, being in a relationship with someone who is more stable, doing work on ourselves. You know, these are things, it's not everything, everything is still to play for. Hmm. And so if you hear something or you, you know, right now, and then you dive into it a bit further and feel doomed, you're not mm -hmm. <laughs> you're not there is plasticity there is a, the ability to grow and to change but yeah let you know there are four main attachment styles and i'll briefly go through them and just you know listen and think you know does this sound vaguely like me or not you know the first one is anxious also known as preoccupied and if you have this attachment style there is this fear of being abandoned you know we when we are anxious, we tend to think of ourselves as being kind of a little bit inferior, to be honest. And so we, we might talk about our better halves and there'd be like a tiny grain of truth in that. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we can be very alert to threats. We might need additional assurances and reassurances of someone's fidelity, someone's care, someone's attention. You know, because there's this thing of, I am not enough for you, therefore you're going to leave me. And I think that 
when we are, again, I think it must be another Nick Hornby uh, book, High Fidelity. He talks about Mm -hmm. a relationship with someone in the film, she's played by Catherine Zeta Jones, just to give you an idea of how, sure. how of of like you know punching, and saying that you know spent that whole two year relationship feeling like he was standing on a, a window ledge, barely able to breathe in case he fell off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. And yeah, you know it's it's that thing of I always think like one of those like. This is probably not technically true, but some of the, the, the best relationships, or quote unquote best relationships, are like both parties think that they've they've they're punching and feel yeah. really yeah, yeah. <laughs> like It's a I very can't... sort of two hundred percent kind of vibe where you know, where both is bringing a hundred percent self doubt and then it just <laughs> winds up as this lovely two hundred percent thing of just like No, I can't leave you, I need you. Yeah, but I need you well uh, but you uh, oh. <laughs> But but like this seeing kind of like you know the best qualities in the other person and having the other person yeah. see them in you. I quite I also quite like the the healthy sort of conversation of two people you know a couple meeting another couple and and mm. you know the the bloke saying well of course I'm punching above my weight and the and the woman going yeah he is but <laughs> also I know what his appeal is and you know the things yeah. the things he has uh, you know float float my particular boat so yeah you know. <laughs> yeah, a, a, a mutual appreciation, I think. That's, <laughs> That's what we're looking for. That's yeah. what we want. Yeah. And so, you know, this, this is, and, 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 you know, with the someone who is anxious or preoccupied, there is this real drive towards a relationship. If, that, if you're the opposite, you're probably avoidant, also known ah. as dismissive. Yeah. <laughs> you know, joking about that character played by Hugh Grant in, in the Nick Hornby's film mm-hmm. about a boy who's saying he's a Ibiza, being an island, not needing anyone. This tends to be the flip and the reverse. You know, people who are avoidant or dismissive tend to think of themselves quite highly and other people are, frankly, a little bit inferior. So why would they want to have a relationship with them when they can be so self-contained and they can get everything done on their own? And what tends to happen very interestingly is you get a lot of people who are anxious in relationship with people who are avoidant because it it basically confirms their worldviews. Yeah. <laughs> you know, an anxious person with someone who's avoidant is like, see, look, I knew that, that my needs are never going to be met. And the avoidant person is going, see, I told you people are needy. Interestingly, uh, I got uh, massive air quotes here diagnosed hmm. by probably a quack um, <laughs> as having anxious avoidant, uh, an anxious avoidant personality disorder, which is not a thing and it's not an attachment style because the two things, as I discovered later, are kind of quite opposite. Uh... So you can't, you, you know, you you can't be. Uh, have have this sort of negative self view, but a positive view of others, and then on the other hand, feel self sufficient and has have a positive view of self and a negative view of others. <laughs> Almost as if I paid a lot of money for a, a con person to give me a faulty diagnosis. Almost, almost. You know, I mean, and there is something, and this is it. Actually, is quite rare. There is something called disorganized attachment mm, style, yeah. which is you know fearful avoidant. And mm-hmm. so this is someone who 
wants intimacy but is also very scared of it because of course to be intimate and close to someone requires vulnerability Mm -hmm. you know it requires us to open up and allow ourselves to be known and to be disappointed and you know for the other person to be disappointed you know and it can be very difficult if you are you know have this disorganized attachment style because there's a lot of push and pull and, you know, it's very difficult to have a relationship if you don't fundamentally trust other people. And I think that that word or the the implication or the, or whatever, but the meaning behind the word trust, I think, is is interesting. And my my interpretation of that, and you can you know let me know how spurious this might be, hmm. is it's not necessarily about trusting them in the same way that you might trust in like a business relationship. It might just be. I don't trust you. I don't trust when you say you value me or when you say you, yeah, you know, you, you think highly of me or whatever. I don't trust that because Mm. I can't, you know, I find that difficult to believe in myself. So that's obviously, Mm. you know, that can't be true. Uh, And I guess then there can also be the thing of trust in terms of what could then lead to jealousy or, you know, what can lead to, can't believe that person's, talking to that that other person they're obviously flirting and it's like no they're just having a conversation mm. you know the, the your other half is not looking for an exit mm. just because they happen to have a even a lightly flirtatious conversation with a you know with, with someone at the bar it's like that's not what's happening here what's happening here is you don't trust that person perhaps i don't know that's just what what sort of comes to mind for me yeah yeah and i think you know that's touching into the anxious and preoccupied style because particularly mm-hmm. preoccupation with you know, can I trust this person? You know, there is this thing of, I think this is this is a subtle difference. And, and you know, this is my interpretation. You know, when with the anxious uh, and preoccupied style, you know, it's, you know, I don't trust you to not abandon me. Yeah. Whereas with uh, the disorganized, it is, you know, I don't really trust you to not hurt me. It's actually mm. fear of being hurt. And so, yes, all of these things are, you know, having anxiety about these things because at the fundamental level there's a sense that I cannot cope with what might happen next you know yeah. this can be and this can translate interestingly you know, the, you know the, I've just been reading this morning about how you know if you are disorganized or fearful avoidant you can actually have trouble regulating emotions mm. you know because I think ah, oh, oh what's his name uh, bloody I'm- get on with it tell me who the bloody person's <laughs> name is <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 it, 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 it's it's something. It might be Doctor Paul Brown, but he basically. I, I'll, I'll have to double check. I I didn't research this before coming here. It's just come to me. But he talks about how, like, fundamental actually attachment style is in progress in psychotherapy and in uh, stopping addictions. Mm-hmm. You know, actually having that safe place to land is where we're going to go with with the last one, which is secure where we feel just generally content with ourselves. This is how Roscoe quite obviously feels because <laughs> he's inches from me. And when I yelled, which, you know, I don't yell directly into the microphone, but I yelled away from it and kind of into his face <laughs> as a way of, you know, if that weren't clear, dear listener, as a way of demonstrating what might perhaps be an unstable relationship with one's own emotions. Um <laughs> that was what that was to, to that was a little playlet for you. But Roscoe just like <laughs> just sat here and he's just like, okay <laughs> like absolutely 
He is so, and this this is quite interesting because Bailey, his his sister, yeah. is very very much an anxious cat uh, yeah. and not very trusting. Whereas mm. Roscoe, I kind of wish he was a little <laughs> bit more fearful. He's a little bit, maybe a bit too secure. If I'm honest, <laughs> you've said this before because you said kind yeah. of like. Dude, yeah. you know, I, you know, like the sun. I'm huge. I'm huge. <laughs> yeah, but so I'm is loud. <laughs> so is Yeah, he. but, you know. Like, in relationship-wise, I know. But I could squish him. You know, yes, he's a very big boy, but I could squish, I could pop his little head off. <laughs> and he should be, he should have some kind of sense that that might happen. Just a teeny tiny sense. So if I yell at him, he should run away. But he just sits here and he's like, I know you don't mean it. <laughs> yeah, well, that was the thing. He <laughs> he's knew- absolutely got my number. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. He knew that you didn't mean it therefore mm-hmm. why why waste the energy of getting up and moving <laughs> when he's comfortable yeah, it's know? a secure attachment style if ever i saw one <laughs> it's practically an umbilical cord at this rate <laughs> there is some codependence here anyway moving on <laughs> absolutely absolutely and so that, actually this takes us to the next prompt and i think that you can answer this with roscoe very easily you know <laughs> are you spending enough time with those you love you asked me on a good day uh, versus a bad day. There's been there's been times this year where I felt like that hasn't you know necessarily been the case. But yeah, and that's I mean that's that is a question that God you know it can go into all sorts of things because when my dad was ill last year yeah. uh, and he was back home from the hospital, one of the things I remember is and it's you know moved on a little bit since then but for Mm. for quite a long time any invitation to you know sunday dinner or whatever it was always met with a with a yes i was never going to be too busy yeah to you know to to make the time because you just you know that's just yeah you 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 don't you just you don't want to be too busy for for that kind of thing and Yeah. uh, yeah Yeah, yeah, you know, and certainly, you know, this is the thing, you know, there's an exercise that uh, Robert Waldinger and Mark Schultz offer in their book, you know, The Good Life, Les- good, the good life Lessons from the World's Longest Study on Happiness, in which they basically say, you know, the frequency and quality of our contact with other people are two major predictors of happiness, you know, about how, you know, one of the ideas is to just sit down and, and write down a list of your closest friends and relatives, you know, the people who you think of, you know, when I say those words, and then being a little bit kind of intentional about this, actually, because I think, you know, it's quite rare sometimes for us to think, oh, how, you know, do, do am I cultivating these relationships? Am I, how do I feel about them even? And so, you know, drawing across axes and then on one, on one plane, you know, we're talking about whether you, the frequency versus infrequency of seeing them. And then, you know, the other axis talking about, you know, one end energizing and the other uh, end depleting and actually plotting them in this, in this box, in this square, in these quadrants. That's the one I'm looking mm-hmm. for, in these quadrants, yeah. really, you know. And then, you know, being aware that these are very subjective terms and it can feel a little bit judgmental perhaps to look at this through this lens but it's just a way of bringing it into our conscious awareness you know are there people where you get a real sense of connection and belonging with them and you feel better after spending time with them or are there people where you maybe feel a little bit more demoralized you know and then that's okay you know no yeah. relationship is all unicorns and rainbows 
you know. But- and I'm sure we, we all have that person in our lives, or I think many of us do anyway, who who feels like the, you know, that's the person you have to be there for, mm. who which is which is fine in of itself, but isn't capable of acknowledging that they might want to be there for someone else at some time, you know, to a point where it just becomes you know, I, I think I've been lucky and I hope I'm not that person in other people's lives, but I, I've seen it in people close to me where they've had that person in their life. The person who the only time they contact them is when they've there's been, you know, a relationship breakup or some other issue and they need that person to, to talk them around. It's never, do you want to come and have a beer and a pizza and watch a film it's always this awful thing's happened i need to come around and we need to talk about it for three hours um and i think just yeah being aware of that and i guess using this sort of friendship eisenhower matrix (laughs) as a way of um understanding where you can best use your own energy and what you've got time for you know the next time that person rings up you can i guess think about like how much energy have i actually got have i you know have i got enough bars Mm. or are they gonna deplete them tonight you know yeah yeah which again take you know perfectly to the the episode we released a couple of weeks ago on n for no actually mm-hmm. you know the three questions do they need help do they need my help what level of help am i comfortable offering them because i think this is the thing you know when you know we're looking at like the negative side of this of, of the people who with whom we have relationships that are not at the in the shape or the way at the level that we would most ideally want. Sure. Why I'm being so diplomatic, <laughs> but, but but also like there's going to be some people who maybe you don't see that frequently, but who really energize you. Mm-hmm. And just thinking, you know, one of the things you know that your story about your dad made me think of is one of the other exercises uh, Waldinger and Schultz suggest is actually just sitting down and working out realistically. How much time do you spend with this person per year? And how many years can you expect to do that? Mm. I think there's an expectation we tend to talk about this in the book. We tend to think that, oh, I'm really busy now, but later on, I'll make time to. Yep. And it's a fallacy. Yep. You know, I have had so, you know, a number of people who disappeared in my life, you know, due to to illness, to other circumstances, to suicide. You know, you don't know how long, you you don't really know how long you have with someone. No. And so, you know, if there is someone who, you know, mutually brighten up your life, you know, you don't want to be like, (laughs) I've just got a horrible feeling though, you know, having these people in this little sector, like really energizing. And then like, they do one of these, these Eisenhower matrixes and you're like (laughs) in like the draining role. You know, hopefully it's like mutually. You do not want to be the vampire. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think they talk about it, don't they? The idea, no, do you want to, are you a radiator or a drain? Yes. I only heard that term recently. Oh wow! Yeah, mm. it's 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 a good one, and you know, I always would. I think we're going to probably do S for self compassion next time. So, yeah. so, so, sorry, uh, listener, my dear Roscoe is trying to get at the mic and say something. Climbing <laughs> up, Mark, at the moment, their relationship. I'm like, I'm getting so distracted watching their relationship right now. It is a thing of beauty and joy, and I'm jealous as all get out. <laughs> It's only it's only dysfunctional in as much as it interrupts my work. 
Yeah, that's the only. Apart from that, I'm I'm delighted with the relationship. <laughs> You're gonna have to post a photo of Roscoe with this yeah. episode, please, so people can understand why he is such an amazingly distracting creature oh. of of love and 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 warmth and care. And he hers. is the main character of so many podcasts now. It's ridiculous, <laughs> and rightly so, frankly, and rightly, rightly so. so. Back anyway, he can't listen. You know, he he can't he can't hog the mic the whole time. We have to talk about relationships. We do, we do. So okay, we, we've got we've got this matrix now, the Eisenhower matrix, as you beautifully put it, on oh, yes. these relationships. And you know, there are going to be some people who we have a more challenging relationship with, but we need to be in relationship with them. Or perhaps there are people who's you know are in that magic quadrant you know, where they do energize us and we do see them frequently. And we actually want to amplify that and make it even better. And so prompt three is, you know, how can you strengthen your existing relationships? And I'm going to take you on a whistle-stop tour of three different things to 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 tempt you, to entice you, to uh, bring you to to the show notes, to, to click on a link and poke further. And they are active, constructive responding, ACR. They are this idea of, you know, the magic ratio, you know, or bids for connection. And then this idea of cultivating something called psychological flexibility. And so I would imagine that the people who energize you when you spend time with them when you tell them not just about bad stuff but good stuff as well they respond in a way which is engaged which asks questions they're excited you know this is like one of the interesting things we often think about you know good communication being about oh you know if someone tells me a bad thing i must be empathetic i must do active listening my face must convey the epitome of compassion and and understanding all right Crichton. <laughs> <laughs> but also but it's also but the thing is and i th- i do wonder this you know this research doesn't come from the uk but i do think that there is a thing in that over here in our society where if someone tells us some good news we kind of like want to poo-poo it so there's a a sort of a tall poppy syndrome and uh yeah don't get your hopes up is, is i think that's something we we discussed uh, mm. a couple of weeks ago uh, is also a thing because yes the idea that uh, that something good might just might just happen and doesn't have to have a caveat seems yeah, perhaps endemic to a country where it rains a lot. <laughs> yeah. you know, don't, don't go outside with a with with your shorts because it's only going to rain. Exactly, but don't we, make a fuss. Well, it's you know we, we we live in a in a country which has four seasons, possibly in an hour, uh, due yes. to climate change, and so. But yeah, having this ability to respond to someone, you know, someone's positive information, their good news in a way which can amplify their good feelings. You know, this is something which is like active, which is engaged and also constructive, you know, builds on the other person's experience. You know, the kind of like the the, the clue is in the title, active, constructive, responding. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because we can so easily um, sabotage the other person's happiness like, accidentally, you know, by being you know, kind of delayed or quite quiet, which is being quite passive, you know, or pointing out, as you say, the potential problems right away, you know, which is like actively destructive or then, you know, being passively destructive, which in which we 
turn the conversation to ourselves, you know, rather、mm. than being enthusiastic. You know, I think I mentioned in well, the recent ones might have been even the last last week's episode. This idea of you know, tell me more about that.、Mm-hmm. You know, what's important to you about that? You know, actually helping the speaker to. Find more good stuff because all of this helps them to savor the experience of happiness,、mm-hmm. to amplify it, and because we have this ability to co-regulate each other, we you know emotions are contagious. You know, we can then build this beautiful cycle between the two of us. You know,、um, rather than being bringing someone down, we can em- amplify, and so you know. Being constructive and active, you know, involves being, you know, making eye contact and being authentic and asking how you feel about something. And I think this is something which it sounds really basic, but actually being happy when someone shares good news with you might be news to some people. It does make a difference, doesn't it? It does. Yeah. Remarkable that. Yeah. Because th- th- this is the thing; it kind of takes us into the next thing, which is like you know the bits of connection and the magic ratio. I won't go into it too much now, but you know the John Gottman thing of, you know, seeing a husband turn to his wife and go, "Did you just see the little bird that's 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 landed on the tree out there?" That's a bid for connection. You know, he's turning to his wife and saying, "You know, share this moment with me." And there's a, a piece which I I've thought of, and I'll pop in the show notes, which had a girl. I think she's on TikTok or something saying, "This is her relationship test." You know, she、mm. will when she's on a date. She will spot something and she will ask the guy, "Oh, do you see this?" And actually, just see how he responds.、Mm. And actually, having this thing of someone who turns towards you in those moments, because then you then share that moment together, which strengthens your emotional bond. What is the alternative then? You well, know what it, I mean? It, it's、yeah. so it, I, you know maybe we need to to get a particular. Situation together here, but I'm sort of trying to think how you don't do that. See, this is why you're a squishy, wonderful ball of humor, <laughs> and darling, because like some people, because because there's a level of attunement there to the other person.、Mm. Whereas if someone is preoccupied with their own thoughts, if they、uh, don't particularly want to be in that environment or be with that person.、Mm. You know, we're going back to the ACR thing of being, you know, either passively destructive, which you know might be, you know, just you know focusing inwards and ignoring the speaker, or like say, oh, so what? You know,、mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, or you know,、uh, even being kind of like you know, bloody birds, you know, keep crapping on my car or whatever. You、yeah. know, it's there are so many ways for people to be. You know, actively or passively destructive in, you know, or even just saying, "Oh, you know, oh, oh great,"、mm-hmm. and then just like not making any kind of、um, effort,、yeah. really. So I think I think yeah, the, the 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 key part of this scenario is is that ability for you to not only just say yes, I see them. That's not the point. It's it's trying to get to. If you if you don't necessarily understand straight away why the you know why those particular birds were picked out, it's it's possibly a yes having the 
I don't say wherewithal, but mm. sort of trying to understand that yes, you know, there might not be two particularly exciting birds, but as you say, it is it is sort of here's something you know here's here's very much a bid for connection here's something that, yes. that i'm asking you to share in with me yeah um and just understanding that that might be enough and mm. that you know or you know look at that look at that dude's trousers those look at those ridiculous trousers <laughs> this guy's got in and you know your job at that point is to go oh my word they are ridiculous and then and then in yeah. the old, old sort of improv style is maybe try and find something to build on that yeah. try and find a yes and Yes. Because I think the point of this scenario, it's not simply going, yes, they are weird. Anyway, uh, as I was saying, you know, it's <laughs> yeah. it's to go, yeah, they are weird. And they're turned up at the heel really oddly or <laughs> and they really don't match his sweater. You know, it's it's yeah. I guess it's it's trying to trying to build it that way. Because what you're doing then as well, because you're making like an in joke between the two mm-hmm. of you. You are yep. making a little world that is exclusive to the two of you that like no one else might even understand if you explained yep. it to the why, like you're like sta- falling about laughing in the middle of the high street. You know, some yeah. poor guys walked off feeling like, oh, since someone's looking at me, I can't work out why. You'd be at a dinner party with, with some old friends and then suddenly you'll turn to, to your other half and just go stripey trousers and you'll both just <laughs> yeah. fall about laughing for, <laughs> yeah. you know, seemingly no reason. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And it's these things which kind of almost create, I think, for me, a sense of belonging to each other. Yes. You know, yeah. it's, it's, these, the, it's these little threads, but it's also kind of like a magic ratio of these things as well because... We often think that, you know, for every negative interaction we have with with our partner or those we are in in relationship with, like doing a positive interaction will counterbalance that. Oh, no, no, no. Mm -hmm. You need to do five positive interactions to balance out one negative one. Woof. Yeah, because there's the whole thing, you know, Dr. Gottman and Robert Levinson did this analysis watching people like couples just for 15 minutes, you know, asking to solve a conflict in their relationship. And then, then they followed them up nine years later. They were able to pinpoint with 90% accuracy which couples got divorced because they could see from the ratio of the positive to negative interactions just in that, in that piece. And I've I got think- some amends to make. <laughs> <laughs> it's it it's 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 a horrifying number, right? Isn't it just? Because this is this is why I'm like mentioning it because again we think it's like one to one, but if you like put yourself in the other shoes, you know we mentioned about trust earlier on being like little maybe like little pebbles. It's the little things, and then when something happens, which drops that jar. Now you you basically need to get a new one and start putting all the pebbles back into it. You know, it's mm. not like here's a fresh jar, you know, or put the, like one big one big rock inside it or whatever. It won't fit. It won't get through the neck. You know, it's got to be all these little things that kind of like create this. And I think you know what can help us physically and more practically do this is developing the last thing I'm going to mention: mm-hmm. psychological flexibility. Now, this is something. One of the things I love to uh, encourage people to cultivate it comes from primarily this term acceptance and commitment training which is a way of being in touch with our present experience and taking actions that are aligned with our values and you know there's a piece there's a there was a meta-analysis done a couple of years ago of 174 separate studies with almost 44,000 participants now these these are big numbers for Mm -hmm. a study 
Yeah. You know, this is this is not small fry. And this idea that, you know, looking into what are the keys to good relationships between couples and within families. Because, you know, there's there's all these different dynamics going on. And this idea of, you know, of being flexible, of being able to have contact with the present moment, know that we're not our thoughts, we're not trying to push away experiences, and we're not trying to grasp onto and defend ourselves with particularly, you know, particular beliefs or, or, or thoughts or feelings. The fact that through all these studies, you know, looking at interpersonal relationships, romantic relationships, family dynamics, several things kind of jump out. One is that being psychologically flexible, you know, being able to, you know, in parenting, have you know a lower use of harsh or negative parenting strategies being able to adapt more being able to have more cohesion in the family meant that there were stronger connections and more rewarding family and relationship dynamics and so being able to tether ourselves and being able to I think the major thing in all of this is to be present to oneself and to the other person simultaneously, mm. which takes flexibility because mm-hmm. so many times there's, there's a quote, you know, talking about polyvagal theory. I believe that's when we can all take a drink now mm-hmm. is bingo. bingo is that, you know, one of the things they say is trauma replaces patterns of connection with patterns of protection. And when we are inflexible, we tend to be, defensive we tend to not want to change our point of view not to see another person's point of view um to have limited sense of personal agency or growth whereas if we are flexible we can take on new information without us feeling that we are wrong Mm. we can have thinking that might tell us that things are bad and then actually go, oh, okay, I'm just noticing that I'm thinking these things right now. Being able to have some spaciousness and choicefulness. You know, we can be in situations where the, the word being, you know, the word triggered is used so often now and I'm yeah. guilty of that myself, to be honest, you know, but there are situations which can lead to behaviors and thinking which are, antithetical to who to our heart's desire for who we want to be in the world mm-hmm. and through being able to cultivate this ability to just relax our grip a little bit take a breath remember who we want to be in this moment that can then guide us towards behaviors which are aligned with that you know and thinking which is self-compassionate or understanding can allow for other perspectives you know the Pema Chodron thing of you know what else is true and just being able to move towards this you know can amplify a sense of emotional supportiveness reduces uh, conflict allows us to feel you know in, in a romantic relationship greater sexual satisfaction even because you know imagine that you know you're with someone and you suggest something and they, you know, and, and the response is very inflexible. You know, there's a, so, a huge amount of shame that can come up when we feel that judged by another person. But if someone can just be with themselves and go, oh, you know, I'm not sure about that, but let's talk about it. 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, I'm not sure we have enough oil. Plus, I don't think Argos still supplies the paddling pools. I had use for those two AA batteries. <laughs> so there's this whole thing where we can recognize that there is choicefulness in all of this, in how we engage with others. You know, I've been talking about, yes, we might have natural tendencies towards fearing abandonment or fearing being engulfed by another. We might look at our lives and our schedule and go, you know, I've not got time for going for coffee with someone or seeing my auntie over Christmas or whatever. And we may be in relationships where we go, you know, I don't even know how to talk to this person (laughs) anymore. Mm -hmm. And I hope that, you know, at the end of this, you know, if you've been listening to the to this part so far, God love you. That you made it. You made it. I know. I'm just looking now how long this might be. Um, we do have, let's take it back down to brass tacks. You know, as I said right at the beginning, we are wired to love and be loved. We are wired to be in relationship with each other. Our nervous systems are designed to be in contact for relationship. We are a social species. And so what I would love after all of this is for you to play, explore, see what options, what flexibility you can cultivate, experiment. You know, some of this is going to land, some of this is not, some of this is going to work out, some of this is not, just give it a poke, make it your own. But most of all, as my closing thought, please, who could you reach out to? after listening to this. The A to Z of Happiness is presented by Anya Pierce and me, Mark Stedman. It's produced by Origin and you can find us at a2zofhappiness.com where you'll also find links to the things we discussed. If you know someone who could benefit from hearing this episode, please share it with them, whichever way is easiest for you. Take care and do join us again next week on the A to Z of happiness.